welcome to the Stop Chasing What Isn't Changing podcast. I am Elaine Scuds, a mom of three, hairstylist and salon owner, entrepreneur, and been told by many, a great listener. I chased dreams for years, the perfect house, the perfect body, the perfect family, and the perfect job. I realized I spent so many years chasing someone else's standards, someone else's dreams, all thanks to society. The conversations on this podcast are here to help you accept, love, and validate yourself. They are here to spark inspiration, to help motivate, and to help you grow into being comfortable and happy with the life you have. As I have these conversations, I hope you realize that age and gender should not limit you on what you desire and that being a woman and a mom shouldn't be so damn hard. And on the days you feel defeated, you are not alone. Stop chasing someone else's standards, someone else's dreams. It is time to declare your own and to start your journey. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to Stop Chasing What Isn't Changing. I'm Elaine Scuds, and I have such a treat for you today, and I'm very excited to offer a giveaway at the end of this podcast. The focus for the month of February is all about becoming ready to love yourself. My guest speaker today was referred to come and see me for her mom makeover about eight years ago. Making herself a priority was the beginning of Jen being ready to love herself. I have to say, although she has said many times I have helped her in so many different ways, she has no idea at how much she has helped me. It has been an honor and a privilege to watch Jen grow and heal herself and to know that she is now on the journey to help other women around the world to do the same is so inspiring. Jen LaFarrette is a writer, author, and co-founder of Write Current. She helps women get out of their heads and into their hearts with words that matter so that they can reconnect, reclaim, root, and celebrate their sense of self as they navigate seasons of change. She writes and publishes soothing and supportive life enhancement guided reflection journals, digital art, and programs that help women 25 to 65 plus. Her popular bloom notes celebrating moments of joy, laughter, strength, resilience, care, and compassion, life enhancement guided reflection journals are read by women 25 to 65 plus worldwide. When she's not writing in her own journal or creating digital oil abstract paintings on her tablet, you can find her checking out local flower markets. Welcome, Jen. Having me, Elena. I'm so excited to be here. I'm even more excited than you. (laughs) (laughs) So when I met Jen, Jen had just had her second baby and she was on a journey to um, better her life um, in different areas. So she was introduced to me from another client of mine. And 
the minute I met Jen, there was this constant spark and conversation flowed so easily because where Jen was at that moment in her life, I had been, I had been on that journey after having my own children and trying to figure out who I was and what was important to me. So the connection we had, I feel happened um, right off the bat. Definitely. Yeah. It, we clicked immediately. Mm -hmm. So I saw Jen grow um, through a lot of different obstacles in her life. I saw her overcome many obstacles in her life. And the one thing that um, always inspires me about Jen is that she always would end up finding a solution to what was happening in her life. Um, there was always this will of not giving up is what she always displayed to me. And I always found that very inspiring because she had a lot of, there were a lot of things that after she had her second child that ended up just falling into place that was really hard to overcome. I would think for a lot of people and Jen found a way to create um, I'm just going to say like magic through all of that stuff. So after you had your second child, right, where was your marriage at at that time? Lame. Our marriage was not in a good place at all um, at that point. Um, yeah, it was that when I look back, you know, how eight years now, eight years, um, we were constantly at a place and my, my ex-husband has said this now as well. We were at a place of constantly, if we can just make it over this next challenge in the relationship, if we can just get past this next hump, then things will be better. But we were just at that place of, you know, we were never a good fit you know, personality, you couldn't have brought two more opposite personalities together. We weren't a match on personality. We didn't, we don't share the same type of fun. You know, we just, I, so many opposites. And so we just together fueled a feeling of never being enough for each other. And so having a second child, if everyone, you know, motherhood, we talked about that, you know, they're the demands on a new mom already. And then the demands that adding another child into the relationship brings, it was just like, it was, it was really a meeting ahead. And it was to the point where I was, you know, 12 days post C-section and he was choosing to go away on business. And I had to cry on the phone to my mom. Can you come and help me? Because he didn't see at that point that I really needed him to be at home. Mm -hmm. And there were so many points where, you know, we were never each other's confidant. We were never the emotional connection and support that you should desire to have in a marriage. We never learned how to build that together. So it was never, um, never a place where you could just be transparent with your feelings, actions, or words, you know, everything had to be crafted a certain way to be worded in just the right way, you know, and, and it was just a total, I, I felt alone 
you know, when I first met you, um, through our mutual friend, our mutual friend, um, was like a bright shining light in my life at that point, because I really was at a place of, I don't know what to do. I'm not happy with my life. Um, I had attracted a lot of, um, superficial friendships, superficial relationships, like superficial was basically where I was at in my life. And I'm someone who craves emotional depth and and meaningful connection. And it was nowhere to be found at all. Mm -hmm. And then our, our mutual friend came into my life and she brought authenticity and meaningful connection. And, you know, she taught me how to show up for myself and the grit and the determination. And I hired this woman for exercises because, um, after the C-section, I literally like my core was not working well with the rest of my body. And I couldn't sit up without using my arms. And so I hired her for functional exercise because it's important when you're 33 to be able to sit up. Um, but I got the chance to tell her this year, seven years, eight years later, that you never were there for exercises, that you were there to show me, to keep, to keep showing up, to keep trying the grit, the determination, never to stop, never to stop. Right. Because I had to keep going and I didn't know it then, but eight years ago, it was almost like foreshadowing that I'm just going to have to keep going and not stopping no matter what, no matter what obstacle comes up instead of reps, it was life challenges, Mm -hmm. right? It was life moments that came up, but that work with her, she, you know, my hair looked ladies who are listening. I had pandemic roots in 2014 because that was the level I was not caring for myself, you know? And, and so, um, this woman, I said, do you, do you know a hairdresser? And she's like, I know Elaine. And so Elaine came into my, into my life eight years ago. And what was so impactful was that the woman, our mutual acquaintance, we, she didn't stay in my life that whole eight years, but she gifted me Elaine who was almost like passing the baton and saying, here, you take good care of Jen Mm -hmm. and I'm going to come back eight years later and see how this has unfolded for her. Mm -hmm. Like it totally comes tenfold, right. With, with our friend because of what happened this past year with her. But I have to say like, when you were at your point of not caring about coloring your hair, like how you said, you just like, you gave up so many women do that. Right. And so when the obstacle comes into their life of, you know, the no support of your husband, the, um, overwork from your nine to five, and then your home life and your children, so many of us just put our needs on the back burner. And that's when we start to have a lot of anger and disappointment in ourselves and regret for what we had not done with our life. And I know for you, 
you know, you got to a point with your nine to five and being a teacher that I would have loved for you to have been a teacher for my kids or even for myself, um, because I truly believe you were meant to be a teacher, but you're a teacher in, in a different way now um, that you didn't feel appreciated in that role either, which is crazy to me to know that because how can a, a principal not want you as one of their staff members? Yeah, um, I was a teacher for almost a decade. And so after I had my son, I think that would have been my eighth year, ninth year of teaching. And I, I went back after my mat leave with him. And I had was very, I was, when I returned from mat leave, I was not in a good space mentally, emotionally, or physically. I actually started the school year with vertigo, which I don't think I told you about, but for, I had that for the first four weeks and I didn't value my health enough to say, I need an additional four weeks off. Do you know what I mean? To clear that I, I had to be driven to work by my mom to get to the teaching job. And I couldn't turn my head a certain way. Like it just thinking about that now, I just want to say, like, think to myself, like, wow, you didn't care about yourself at all. You didn't care about your health. And, you know, the thing is you're replaceable at school, you know? Um, But yeah, I was really at a spot in, in the teaching career where, you know, for the five years that I was, I I was part-time permanent, meaning I taught afternoons for, you know, the first five years. And then after having my daughter in 2011, I became full-time permanent. So I was a full day teacher and I was constantly, you know, would have an idea, have lots of ideas all the time. And I would hear that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And then they would do it. And then all of a sudden it would work and be great. Right. And then it was a great idea, but that was just kind of the thing that I faced over and over. And at one point I had, you know, put out an idea to the principal and the special education resource um, teacher, and they just had their jaws dropped. I thought, Oh no, what did I say wrong? Why do, and again, like now when that creeps in, it's like, no, no, it doesn't mean you said anything wrong. Right. And I didn't. And, and basically they were like, Oh, I hope you never realize how powerful you are because I feel like I'm hearing an instructional facilitator speak, which works at the board office. And I need you to stay put right here in the classroom. And so after that, I did leave about that fall. I didn't go back. I, I, you know, took a leave of absence because um, in, in that time, one of the teachers that I'd worked with for only a year, she was a year younger than me. She was 34 when she died and she died very suddenly of a very quick battle with liver cancer. And I thought, wow, you can just die at 34 and have no more chances. And I remember coming home from work that day and crying at the table because I thought about all of the regrets that I would have all of the chances that I didn't take, you know, and, and chances in my professional life, chances in my personal life, in my relationship, you know, and, and so it was really at that point, I was so 
mentally, physically, and emotionally eroded that, you know, I was at that time had ulcerative colitis flare up. I just said, I can't do this anymore. So I took a leave of absence. How scary was that to do that? Like to, to take the leave. And did you feel that you had to like explain it to your ex? Like, this is what I'm going to do. And, And what was his reaction to you doing that? I felt, I felt a lot of, um, guilt around doing that because I was a great teacher and I had a lot of pressure from former coworkers who said, you're a great teacher. How can you do this? They need you. How can you leave them like this? You know, and with my ex-husband, I felt guilt because he paid for my teacher's college. You know, we were engaged at that time. He paid for teacher's college. And then here I am nine years later, basically not using that degree, turning down a a full-time job with benefits and a pension, Mm -hmm. you know, to say at that point, I just said, I just want to stay home with the kids. You know, I was just, couldn't even think about what's my next move. So he was supportive in the beginning. Um, the first few months of that, maybe the first three or four, but then by January, he was like, you need to go back to teaching Or you need to figure out a way to bring in some money every month because we cannot just have you staying home with the kids. And so then, oh, and in the fall, I declared that I wanted to pursue writing. Yeah, I'd never written anything other than report cards, but I made that declaration in October um, after the one month off. And so I started freelance writing in February of 2016. Um, and I ghost, I was a ghost writer and I, I quickly figured out marketing content, how to write marketing content. And I, I quickly managed to get those clients that he wanted so that I could bring the income in. And then I found myself getting busy and saying, well, you know, and, and, and then, you know, the next obstacle came up. Well, if you need daycare, you need to pay for it because it's your job now that's requiring that. So then I would get more clients and, and I keep going, but, um, yeah, there, there was just that period of, you know, it felt like pressure to, to do it. Yeah. And to prove that you made the right decision, right. That you, are going to be successful. And I have to say, like, when you told me that you were going to start to be a ghostwriter, I, I know I said to you many times, like, okay, right. Like your journey is to write, but not that <laughs> like your journey <laughs> is to do a lot more with your writing. Um, and you didn't let it beat you down, which is what I love so much. Like every time I saw you and in those two hours we had with each other, it was always about what you were going to do. Like you, you said you would sound defeated, but you wouldn't allow it to defeat you. Right. You, you always had to try to come up with a solution of some sort. And I think the biggest solution that you had was when you decided to like end your marriage, like that was something that really just had to happen for you. Mm. Yeah. And that actually came about, um, six months after I started ghostwriting. So, um, you know, and it, and it was a long failing nine year marriage, right? We nine years and it was a long failing marriage. 
And yet in August of 2016, I, um, said that I wanted a separation, you know, that I wanted to be the kid's mom still, but I didn't want to be his wife anymore. And that was coming on the heels of, um, an HPV diagnosis from the doctor, which just had kind of, you know, confirmed some things that had been a suspicion to that point. And, um, yeah, it just, and, and it was devastating in that moment to hear you have, you know, this sexually transmitted infection. And I was afraid because I had at that point was on, I was immune suppressed. I was on immune suppressants to treat ulcerative colitis. So I was afraid like, well, what does this mean? And then going to the blood clinic and having a full STI blood panel run and just, you know, praying that nothing else is, is going to come Mm -hmm. from that. Um, and luckily nothing did. And I just felt so much shame sitting in that chair with the piece of paper. And, and as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, whose shame am I even holding? Like I'm 36 years old, you know, I haven't had a lot of sexual partners. So it was really like busting so many of those myths, you know, Um, and, and realizing that the shame that I felt was other people's shame that they had put on me. So it was a journey of learning to release that, but you were one of the very first people I told about the separation and the diagnosis, because I remember sitting in your chair and just bawling my eyes out Elaine, because I just thought, what do I do? And initially, initially when I got the diagnosis, I didn't have say anything like aside from telling him what the doctor had said. And I hadn't made that decision right away to leave. It was about three days after that I made that decision of separation. And it was because it wasn't even for me. It was because I thought if this was my child as an adult, what would I want for them? Would I want them to stay So I didn't even value myself enough at that point that I could make that decision for me. It was thinking of my kids as adults. If it was them, what would I, um, what would I want for them? And, um, and, and that was, yeah, like saying that out loud that I wanted the separation and the divorce, I had thought about getting divorced four times over the course of the nine year marriage, but I had never said it out loud because, well, the first time I thought about it was in year one of marriage. So I thought, I've only been married a year. Surely this has to get better, Mm -hmm. right? Surely this'll, you know, and then um, the other times we had kids and I thought, I don't want to see my kids any less. I can just carry on. Right. Um, and, and so for a lot of, I think the tail end of the marriage, we were really like those two ships sailing in a night. We did try to add in that date night or whatever to try and get it going again, but that wasn't our problem at all. It was everything else. It was that we didn't have that foundation because we were never meant. I really believe this now that we were never meant to be that, that romantic partnership, to, to build a life together. 
under one roof. I don't believe that we were meant to be that for each other. Yeah, I don't think so either. Cause you guys, you co-parent so well outside of each other's homes, right? But I just mm-hmm. want to bring it back to like what you had said when you said that you had to picture your future kid in your situation and what you would have hoped for them. And I know as a mom, a lot of decisions that I made in my life, I thought that what would my child do? What would I want my kid to do? Because I was never worthy enough to just do it for myself. And I know that so many other women have that same kind of struggle, even if it's not about leaving your husband, but it's about making yourself a priority, making yourself happy. You would never do it for you, but you would never want your kid to sacrifice their own happiness um, because they don't think they're worthy for it. So I hope that whoever is listening can realize that, that if that's how they are, that they have to change it because our kids won't grow up being happy and putting themselves first if they don't see us do it to ourselves, right? We are their teachers. And so and what we do with ourselves is what they will do unless they can see that, okay, hold on. I saw my mom suffer. I saw my mom, you know, cry and do whatever. I don't want to go down that path. This is what I'm going to do. So instead of teaching them that, that they don't want to be what we were, Let's teach them to be who we are now, right? And it's never too late to put yourself first. And in doing that, you created this, um, I want, I'm going to call it an empire, although it's not an empire right now, but you created this journey of journaling. And this is the biggest thing about Jen is Listening to her story is one thing, but attaching yourself to her growth and how to do it yourself um, is another. And she has the tools for that without even realizing that you were creating tools for people because you were just writing in your journal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, that decision to leave the marriage and the divorce that really rooted my well-being. So that was my change was rooting my well-being when I made that decision. And then, um, from there, I, yeah, it was about all of the identities that I had placed on myself, all of the roles, they were starting to be, um, stripped away, right. The wife, the mother, um, teacher, all stripped away. And, and that process, the more labels and roles you put on yourself, like we're always growing and evolving. And when we have to remove those, Mm -hmm. it's like ripping off that old bandaid that you've left on too long. It takes some skin off and there's tears and there's a lot of, you know, release and renew that happens. Um, so yeah, redefining motherhood was something that I had to do um, redefining, you know, reclaiming who I was as a person, because I think often, you know, and perhaps if you're listening, you may relate to this, that if you find yourself in relationships or friendships that, um, you've had to edit yourself in some way, you've had to take away parts of who you really are 
to fit in, to belong, you know, when that, when you remove yourself from those, then it's almost like you have to call back all of the pieces of yourself and, and, you know, reclaim and reconnect to, to who you are as a person. Um, and so I started to do that by visiting a flower shop, you know, every week I would learn about, um, the flowers and I would talk to the florist and the seasons changing. And I just, that was almost like my journaling without a pen really was just learning about myself and, and reclaiming myself and really learning that joy is ever present, even when we can't see it or feel it in that moment, but it is there. It's the glimmers that are around us. And after celebrating, you know, in that season of strength and resilience, um, celebrating um, 52 moments, just a moment a week, I threw a party celebrating the divorce um, because I, no one ever told me that, you know, my courage and bravery were worthy of celebrating. And so when I stopped grinning and bearing it, I decided to celebrate it. And I invited women in my life, um, you know, 18 women, I'm an introvert. So eight a women, like a luncheon of 18 women to me feels like a lot. And they all said, yes, I mailed the invitations, celebrating joy and laughter. And I felt uncomfortable to mail them because I was still getting used to celebrating myself you know, and knowing that I was worthy of celebrating, um, and, and not the sadness, like, but bringing the joy. Um, and we had a beautiful afternoon in a flower shop, of course, with flowers and high tea. And, you know, it was such a great time. And, and there were those moments in the afternoon of joy and laughter and care and compassion and, and strength and resilience, because that's life. Mm -hmm. That's our whole life, you know, and, um, and, and that was such a year of healing for me that opened me up to, I think the possibility of what Elaine had hoped for me with writing for myself, because in 2018, when I threw that party, I did have that desire again, that I wanted to write for myself that I, um, didn't want to be a ghostwriter anymore. Um, you know, to be very candid with everyone listening, to be a ghostwriter is a skill, right? To capture somebody else's voice. But for me, I realized it was what I was good at when I wanted to hide who I was, um, like to the point where I ghost wrote exclusively for men, like talk about you know, ultimate suppression of your own voice. So I, you know, reclaimed that voice in myself. And then, um, in 2020, uh, had a, had a health scare, you know, um, because I was still afraid Elaine, every time I saw her, are you writing for yourself? No. <laughs> and, um, but in 2020, I mean, Elaine knows this, I had a health scare and they had said, you know, you're showing markers for mixed connective tissue disease, which, you know, is, um, can affect your hands and all these different things. And it wasn't physically manifested and still is not just was the markers. Thank goodness. But it made it, it was a wake up call for me because I remember thinking, what if I've wasted my gifts? of writing? What if I will never be able to write for myself? 
you know, and then I just, I started journaling because I kind of made a promise to myself and spirit and just was like, I promise I will write every day about anything and everything, as long as this never comes to physical manifestation. And so I journaled my goodness, like a million, more than a million words now. And that led to, as I was journaling that unfolded a framework journal to reconnect and, and five journals, Mm -hmm. not one, (laughs) because I guess it was building for all those years, but five. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like you said, again, like, what if I lose my hands? What if I can't write anymore? And again, it goes back to when you were diagnosed or when your friend had passed away from cancer and you said to yourself, what if that happens to me? You can actually like just boom, disappear from this earth. The fear that it generated, it made you realize that you no longer wanted to sit on the sidelines. Like you took it for granted over and over. There were always signs given to you, such as myself to say, do this. And you were always like, yeah, yeah, I'll take this route instead. And then you got scared and that fear created what it is right now. Right. I mean, I like at that point when I was afraid, I mean, I was having, I don't think I shared this with you, but I was having a lot of episodes of fatigue and after having a shower, like my arms would feel heavy. Like I would feel exhausted from having a shower. And I just was thinking like, like, what have I done? Right. Like what if, you know, and, um, and I think that like, if you're listening, if there's something that you're wanting to do, if you have the desire to create something or, you know, whatever it might be for yourself, reconnect to yourself, like, you know, the time is now really like, there's no, nothing is ever guaranteed, you know, and it's so easy to take time for granted that we'll always have more time but sometimes we don't, and we don't know when, you know, our last chance is. Yeah. And, you know, so for me, February is about the month to love yourself. You can love other people while you're at it, but focus on loving yourself. That's what this month is for, for me. That's why I'm starting off this month with Jen, because I, I'm going to be doing a giveaway with, the one specific journal of hers. And she's going to talk about that one specific, there's ton of them to go with it. But the reason why I want to do this is because we all live with fear and with the, what if this happens and how can I cope with it? And how am I able to get beyond this certain obstacle in my life? And for some, it may be as extreme as divorcing your spouse and for others, it might be, you know, something I, uh, just as extreme to yourself, obviously, because you're experiencing it, but it's not about, it's just not about that only, right, Jen? Like, I really just want you to explain the course of the Bloom Notes in Bloom. Sure. Yeah, no, as Elaine said, I mean, this, this runs the gamut of what like this book runs the gamut of really what women are choosing to access it for like relationship status change health status change um job status change active disease process remission it's just it's 
grief, death, loss, like it's the full, the fullest spectrum. Um, and really it's about your presence and words matter and knowing that stories connect us and are a comforting presence in every season of life. And so your it's, it's one of my beliefs that we're all one story away from changing, from unlocking our true potential and changing the trajectory of our life. And that often can happen when you give yourself that time and space within the privacy of your own pages to connect to yourself and really understanding that your moments of joy, laughter, strength, resilience, care, and compassion are what make you interesting. And in Bloom Notes, in the beginning, I wasn't ready to write about it. So I read a lot. And so Bloom Notes is it's a really great, if you're listening, you're like, Oh, Elaine, Jen, this sounds good, but I'm not a journaler. Bloom notes is the journaler for the non journalers <laughs> because I've had so many women that this has been their introduction to journaling because it each, how it works is it's divided up into celebrating moments of joy and laughter, celebrating moments of strength and resilience and celebrating moments of care and compassion. And within each section, you get a bloom note from me. So it's me sharing a moment of my joy and laughter. And then I give you a single journal prompt for you to go a little bit deeper in the story that I said. And then from there, an invitation to celebrate your own moment of joy or laughter, you know, and, and that framework follows with strength and resilience, because I think our strength and resilience is worthy of celebrating. It's important to celebrate that in yourself because it's showing that you didn't give up, right. That you showed up that you, you know, and it's worth that. And then the care and compassion, when you're learning, when you're reclaiming your self-worth, showing yourself lots of care and compassion is so important. And so there's space for that as well. Um, and it's so interesting to me because the way it's set up is it's not meant to go from start to start to finish. It's really meant to just open it up at any page. And I'm going to read this note if Elaine allows me, because I always say that whenever, whatever you open the book to is the message that's meant for you. So this is the message that's meant for all of us today. Celebrating care and compassion, bloom note. Acceptance is a choice. It comes from within. It is the first step in loving yourself, learning to look yourself in the eye and meet your own gaze, to take in the breathtaking beauty that resides within. When was the last time you met your gaze? Really saw yourself. I don't know about you, but meeting my own gaze was a challenge for me in the past. I couldn't do it until I was ready to release myself from the past and all of my choices when I didn't accept myself. So with a clean slate, I chose to look and not look away. It was the very first step to coming to love myself deeply, learning to accept myself and all of my perceived imperfections. When you come to meet your gaze and self-acceptance, you'll soon see love staring back at you. Wow. Like that is so powerful. And, really and, and, and that's how this book unfolds. You read the bloom note. And so 
for many people, part, I say part of reconnecting to yourself is tuning into what you need. So if it's just reading and feeling and sitting with that, that's enough. You read the bloom note, you close the book, but some of you listening are ready to go further. So that's why there's a journal prompt that accompanies that note. And so the journal prompt of celebrating care and compassion says, how do you feel about looking yourself in the eyes and holding your own gaze? What if you chose to apply love and compassion instead of judgment? Mm-hmm. And you would just write about that. And, and with journaling, I think it's important to note, set a timer, you know, and just write for, you know, if you're reading for one minute or listening to one minute, write for four, you know, five minutes. If you just have five minutes. And, you know, like there's a lot of journals out there, you know, that you can purchase. And last year with the new year, I bought the one journal that was a number one journal for gratitude that was available on many different platforms. And within a month and a half, I was like, what am I going to write? Because the prompt was, what are three, three, three things you're thankful for? What are three things you can change? And it was just so very superficial, right? Like, oh, I'm thankful for the birds chirping this morning. You know, it didn't, there was no connection as to what I'm thankful for with me and what I'm going to work on and change for me. And looking into just that one statement of, are you comfortable looking at your own gaze at what's looking back at you? How many of us really are that comfortable. I am now, but I wasn't for a long time. Yeah. And, and I think the reason why women, I love that you say that, you know, you abandoned a journal because, um, I've abandoned, you know, a lot of people would that know me be surprised to hear this, but I, at one point didn't think journaling was for me. Right. <laughs> it's really funny now, yeah. but I didn't think it was for me because I had purchased, you know, best-selling journals that have helped millions of people. Maybe if you're listening, you have also abandoned a journal that Mm -hmm. helped millions. And I remember thinking, I'm abandoning this. Am I hopeless? Like what's going on? You know, why can't I make this work? And then, so, you know, what I've come to find having worked with women and, and the journals is that as Elaine said, it needs to connect back to you it to make it meaningful. It needs to take you on a journey, right? And, and, and that's where, you know, bloom notes, the journey of bloom notes is teaching you to show up for yourself weekly. That's all it's teaching you show up for yourself weekly. And you're going to take a little look each time. And I'm going to be there with you in that bloom note so that you know that you're not alone, mm-hmm. right? Because our stories you know, stand together. I'd like to tell people this book is not complete until you finish it, you know? And, and I mean, it's imperfect pages that were pulled from my journal. Right. And so, cause I've had a lot of people say, well, I'm worried to write in it, Jen, because I don't know. I said, listen, these pages, some imperfections here. Cause I lifted them from my morning pages, you know, so it's okay. I've already made the first blooper for you in there, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just knowing that when you connect something to your values, mm-hmm. right? When when you have that desire, and and my reason for journaling was not earth shattering. I wanted to feel just a little bit better. That was it. 
wasn't earth shattering, right? And it wasn't that, oh, I think I'm going to journal and then I'm going to write a book. I just wanted to feel better, you know, because I was tired of feeling like crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're listening and you're, and you're wanting to feel just a little bit better as well, like that's enough of a reason to get started. It just is that tiny step forward. And, and so with the bloom notes and having my stories there, a lot of women are feeling that comfort that they're not alone, you know, that I'm, that they're not alone. Um, you know, that they're able to sit with themselves and the journal prompt because I shared my story first. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so knowing that you're on that journey with them, I think is, um, very comforting and, I'm going to, we're going to tell people how they can get their hands on this journal and how, where they can follow you, because I highly recommend to follow Jen, but I am doing a giveaway and I will be giving away this one particular bloom notes and bloom journal to a lucky winner. The contest is opened for the whole month of February. Um, The details are going to be um, listed with their write-up in the podcast, if that makes sense to all of you guys. And, um, and so Jen, let people know where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at right current underscore W R I T E C U R R E N T underscore. Uh, you can also find me. I have a bloom notes in bloom podcast. If you type in Jen Lafra, J E N N L A F O R E T on Spotify and Apple podcasts, you can tune in. That work is um, inspired by the Bloom Notes guided journal. Um, And so, and of course the website is www.rightcurrent.com. And yeah, like I'm, I'm so excited for the winner of this because it really, it really helps you to activate presence. A lot of the people, um, a lot of the women who, you know, I've worked with and who are working through this, they're working on reconnecting to presence and reconnecting to feeling and, and rediscovering themselves. And they're reconnecting to themselves within these pages week after week and having aha moments, you know? And so just so you know, Jen reconnected to very important times in her life to herself. The time when her friend died, she reconnected to herself And then the other time was when she had the health scare and thought, am I ever going to write again? Right. Those two times are pivotal moments in her life that she was able to actually make that connection. And some of us don't have that ability to do it because we're not aware that that is actually a connection to ourselves. So these journals are life-changing and she's been doing workshops and she has tons of things on the go, which is so exciting. Um, all I have to do with making your best life possible for yourself. So make sure you follow Jen, um, listen to her podcast. I'm in one of her podcasts. I was a co-host for one of them and really just learn to appreciate yourself and make yourself a priority so that you can start to really just live the best life for yourself and everything else will fall into place after.
Definitely. That's what life is about. Like your life, it's a life well-lived is one that's well-loved in my opinion. And and really knowing that you're worthy of this time and effort and that your pages, they become your own inspiration and they're your own words and they're your own internal compass. And and you really see yourself in a different light. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I hope you all have enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to enter the contest to win. And if you have any questions, um, I'm going to link all of Jen's info in the podcast. And I hope you guys all have the most amazing day. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to take up space in your day. I always invite conversation to happen. If you felt connected to today's podcast, please send me a message. I would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode and please share it with a friend. Also, if you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss, please reach out and let's have a conversation about it. You can email me at stopchasingwhatisn'tchanging at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, elaine.g.scuds, E-L-A-I-N-E, period, G, period, S-C-U-D-D-S. Always remember to stop chasing what isn't changing in your life. Don't be afraid to create those habits and to take the steps to achieve what you desire, what you deserve, and what you have been dreaming of. I'm Elaine Scuds, and I hope you have an amazing day.